need our help. Judith, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. You're my mom. You chose to be. Because you love me and I love you. I do. And loving someone means doing whatever it takes to keep them safe, right? But when did we stop loving Daryl? And Maggie. Carol, the king. Then why does it feel that way? Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Rima. Yeah, and this is the Walking Dead cast episode three forty seven. And Rima, I'm glad to have you back guest hosting because it's been a while. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, and we also have a guest, a third guest co-host with us. He is Avelino. Welcome to the show, Avelino. Thank you. Hi, Yay. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> so Avelino is. Uh, a lot of people probably recognize the name because you've written in a lot, but a lot of people don't know you and you are a longtime listener and supporter of this podcast and just like a total cornerstone of our Patreon community. Uh-huh. Thank you. Mm. I appreciate better known, that. Better known as the ambassador right. in, in yeah. our circle. Yeah, Avelino has like, met probably more listeners than I have. He's uh, really been good about getting people together. Most people are over on the East Coast, so uh, you had that barbecue that I've mentioned a couple of times. And yep. um, this is your debut on the on Walking Dead cast, and it's probably long overdue. <laughs> Also, Avelino's been doing these this great series for Patreon supporters where he he and I kind of both hand off, but he's done a bunch of, uh, what do you call it? Peace talks where he'll... Uh, exactly. Talk. Ambassador Peace Talks. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about what that is. So um, after the Zed Head barbecue that, that we threw last year, um, <clears throat> let's see. Now, there was maybe like 14, 15 people that showed up. Um, you know, 14, 15 Zed heads. And after that, I kind of got a hungering for more contact for, with the other Zed heads. I met a lot of um, our fellow Zed heads one-on-one, like Rima, for example. Rima and I met on one mm-hmm. of my business trips out in the Midwest. Um, and I met a few others that way as well. And um, my interaction with all of the group uh, has been so positive that I kind of wanted to give something back. And um, I also found that a lot of people were just really interesting. You know, a lot of us, a lot of the Zed heads are fellow nerds, just like, you know, Jason, Rima and me. And 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 so it was just really interesting to talk to people one on one. 
And so I got the idea um, after our Z-Head Barbecue. I started it off with Cat, uh, Cat Craft from uh, Wisconsin. I got the idea to, you know, let other people share their stories as well. And um, and so that's that's what I did. I, you know, just started recording one-on-one with different people. And uh, and we've got maybe a dozen or so interviews with um, Z-Heads from literally around the world. And it, it's been fun. And it, it, that's also been kind of my audition for, you know, getting on The Walking Dead cast, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one reason why I wanted to have you on is because people have been asking me, hey, how come you never have any other guys on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, you know... <laughs> I think it's more interesting for people to have to hear uh, a a man and a woman's perspective. That's that's one reason. But uh, I just find it's kind women of converse a lot better. Actually. It's fun. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. People are right. Good like, save. I'm glad to have your voice on here. So this this is going to be a good change. <laughs> we have other guys on occasionally. But anyways, oh, oh no, also, cool. if people are wondering, um, Karen. She's been so busy at work lately. She got a second responsibility this month because somebody's out or something and she just Mm. couldn't podcast. And I thought that she wasn't going to be able to podcast at all this season, but I just asked her again and she said she's coming on for the season finale. So she's busy saving the world, folks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But is she liking the Angela King version of The Walking Dead? Yeah, it seems like she is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she is. Yeah, so I'm excited for her to come back in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Before we go, get on with talking about this week's episode, I also just wanted to mention that, Avelino, you just started your own podcast, and could you kind of briefly just tell us a little bit about what Yay. that is? Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I started a podcast with two fellows at Heads, uh, Christina Wiggins and uh, Erica and Furter from, you know, uh, from uh, both, really from both the Philadelphia area. And um, the three of us started it on the idea and impetus from Christina. All three of us are parents of children diagnosed with ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. And Christina wanted to share all the knowledge and research that she had done in raising Tyler and getting him the best care and all that stuff. And um, she she and I had a brief discussion last year, you know, and she wasn't sure how to do that, how to disseminate that information, whether it be a blog or a vlog or a series of YouTube videos or whatever. And I said, you know what, let me use the things that I learned from these ambassador peace talks and let's do, uh, you know, let's do a podcast of it. Uh, we don't know, you know, how long it's going to run, but at least, yeah, let, let's give it a go. And, um, so we decided to do that. And, and what's cool was after our pilot episode, um, Erica contacted us and let us know about her background in also raising an autistic child, as well as being an educator who has an autistic certification, uh, education certification. And so the three of us have this awesome chemistry. And um, so, yeah, so we've uh, gotten a couple of episodes under our belt. Um, we just got released on Spotify and Google and very soon on iTunes. And it's called Another Piece of the Puzzle podcast. So if you look for that on any three of those, you know, um, forums, uh, you'll, you'll find us. And, uh, yeah, so, so please listen and, and, you know, give us a shout out. That's awesome, man. That's, that's that is great. awesome. Yeah. yeah it, you were trying to kind of figure out what you wanted to podcast on. And I think exactly. that's an amazing one. I, I, 
I, I owe it yeah. all to you, Jason, and to the Z, the, the Z Head community. I, I'm, I'm serious, you know, because yeah. of your inspiration and, and the group that you started. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have found Christina nor Erica through, you know, without it. So, yeah. That's, <laughs> well, that's awesome. great. Yeah. Can't wait to see where that goes. Awesome. Yeah, Thank I'm you. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people and be a yeah. great resource. So that's pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rima. Yeah. <laughs> so as Evelina said, you can find that another piece of the puzzle on, you know, wherever you get podcasts. And if you want to hear any of those um, peace talks where Evelino interviews other Zed heads, other listeners, any Patreon supporter can uh, access those. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash Jason and Karen, you could do that. This episode's made possible by Patreon supporters like Amanda Rogerson, who pledged her support there at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Okay, let's get into it. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 3 in 5, 4, Three, two. <laughs> 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 I miss Melissa. <laughs> okay, this week we're doing a top three since there's three hosts. So it's our top three highlights for Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 14, Scars. Finally, we get Scars, a.k.a. Children <laughs> of the Corn. No kidding. <laughs> yes, no kidding, exactly. Creepy. So, uh, in general, how did you guys like this episode? Avelino, how'd you like it? I, I loved it. I, I found a few holes in it, logically, but in general, I, I loved it. It, mm-hmm. it was really creepy and scary, yeah. Me too. Like, um, emotionally, and just, I was on the edge of my seat. I was, yep. it was so tense. It was very well constructed, and... So I was just floored by the end of it. It did a very good job of kind of ramping up the tension and then just with that huge shock. So emotionally it was great. But then when you start thinking about some things then I started to have a few problems with it. So yeah. um, I I feel like before I th- thought too hard, I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> and even after, I still think it's, a, yes. it's an accomplishment. It's It's really one of the standout episodes of the series, I would say. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rima? What would you think? I thought it was a really good episode, um, and for sure, like Denai Guerrero just absolutely knocked it out of the park with her mm. performance. And, Agreed. Yeah. You know, if it, it's a real too. shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she she does every single time, and so does Denai. I mean, there's this show just does not get enough recognition, you know, for their acting performances. I know that The Walking Dead has been, you know, nominated for other awards and such, but it's like their actors are always overlooked and. I think that's such a shame. And I feel I I always wonder, like when we have some of these actors that are kind of leaving, I know that some of it's not their choice and they kind of getting written out. But then when you hear of some that are like leaving, you know, by choice when their contracts are coming up, if that's part of it, if they feel like they're not, maybe they would like to have a little bit of that recognition. They're really, you know, working their ass off and not getting a lot of that, you know, um, like a lot of other shows. I always wonder if that plays a part, but I thought this was a really Mm. great episode. Um, It was kind of a twist i wasn't as floored as some people because i don't know i just i see creepy kids and i'm actually just go into a bad place i'm like Kill i know them. what's gonna happen here um, this is not going well i've talked about it a lot on our podcast um because we have there's always a discussion about like stephen king and um children of the corn and creepy kids and other shows that we've covered but it was it was really good for sure performances were spot on yeah yes yeah okay cool let's get into the top three Evelina, would you like to go first uh, cool, cool. Thank you. Um, 
So yeah, the the number three on my list. Uh, this was actually a hard episode because I didn't want to watch it twice because <laughs> 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 it was just it was it was probably thematically one of the hardest um, episodes to watch after mm-hmm. the um, you know the killing of Glenn and uh, Abraham. Um, but uh, the, the my number three is essentially the horror movie nature of this episode, or in other words, Children of the Scorn. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because in this episode we had a mixture of like these um horror movie tropes, you know? I don't want to call them tropes because they work so well in this mo- in this episode, but yeah, you've got the scary kids, the creepy scary kids, you know? You've got kidnapping of your own children. You've got uh let's see, you know, like a cult type of, you know, group going on, you know, that group dynamic um, with, you know, the head being um, uh, Jocelyn. And also you got Betrayal, too, you know, that kind of classic horror movie Betrayal where, like, la-di-da, you know, this friend from, you know, a million years comes into your life again and everything seems so happy and everything like that. Then you discover that, you know, They're it's... Exactly. Satan has taken over this person, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they steal your bank account and, you know, steal your right. significant other and all that stuff, you know. Single black female. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so we had all of that, but it worked so well in this episode. And actually, this episode was uh, Angela has really been hitting it out of the park with Scare mm-hmm. this year, you know, mm-hmm. and this episode really made me get scared in a zombie apocalypse where now, you know, the zombies have been getting scarier and scarier, but in this episode, the zombies were not the scariest thing. You know, the kill, the, um, a lot of things, the tension and stuff like that was caused by this horror type of atmosphere that she created. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that was my number three is, you know, she, Mm. she just really made this, this horror movie type of, you know, episode that was just, I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of the, the episode. Another trope that they sort of flirted with, but didn't quite confirm was just seeing these posters of, flayed deer and skinned rabbit made me wonder if it was a cannibal type situation i know Mm. my mind totally i'm glad you said that because i thought the same i thought i was having like flashbacks of like terminus yeah (laughs) during that time and and i'm not so sure it wasn't that i think maybe that's what they were getting at but they just didn't you know have a chance to catch um daryl and michonne and finish the job Oh mm. gosh! Uh, I, I oh that makes it even more dark and twisty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, there are a couple holes in the logic, you know, that we can go over later on. But uh, they, it seemed like they were successful enough hunters that they wouldn't have had to have you know resorted to eating people. Um, well, they wouldn't have had to resorted to any of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. But but like yeah, the, you're right. The 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 you know the diagrams of you know how you would cut up a a, a cadaver or an animal body and and things like that. You know, in that creepy, darkly lit you know um, shelter. Yeah, that was that was messed up. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, absent the context of this episode, where we're kind of primed to be wondering, okay, what went wrong in this mm. with this because we know it's going to go really bad that actually makes a whole lot of sense to 
know how to hunt and dress a deer. So oh, definitely, it's yeah. totally practical. But in this episode, it was like, okay, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I thought. Okay, Rima, what's your number three? Uh, my number three, going in a little, a little bit of a different direction, I went to just kind of talk about Lydia for a minute and kind of get y'all's thoughts on the exchange here. Um, you know, Michonne sat her down and had this little heart-to-heart with her and, you know, basically telling her that she should, you know, she should just walk away um, and take the threat with her and, you know, for the safety, you know, because she knows that she cares about Henry and she's like, basically telling her like if you want to protect henry um because you care for him then what you need to do is you just need to go back home i mean that's Mm. you know that's not exactly what she said she was speaking more from her own point of view and she said if i i'm actually gonna compliment you here because she was saying if i could take the threat with me then i would do that and i want you to think about that and i didn't actually put two and two together until you just said that and realize oh she was telling her well you actually can take the threat with you so why don't you do that right oh i mean i i I think that she was i think that she you know deny or sorry, Michonne was probably speaking for herself as well, that she wishes that she could do that. But sure. I, I just, the way that she was looking at her, she gave her a very telling look, like, are you catching what right. I'm going at you? And I wasn't, you know? I didn't know what she was getting at, but now I feel dense. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jason. It, it makes total sense now, like uh, what she was telling, what Michonne was telling Lydia, you know, but I didn't really catch it until Rima just went over that and uh, you know short <laughs> this is why short we have like, women on the show <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it yeah <laughs> well you're welcome um, but, but I mean that's what I got from it I do think that she did kind of mean it for herself but I think that she was trying to you know share that part of herself that I would do this now this is what you should be doing as well mm. to protect you know Henry and the people that you care about and this because she knows how big of a threat this is I don't know that she I don't know how much of the story they got you know about what just went down like from the previous episode and how much they know I'm guessing you know what we didn't see on camera you know mm. that's you know they seem to know who really Lydia was Exactly. And they, you know, they, they, they kind of seem to, to have an idea of what's going on. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that was, you know, really interesting. And, and you know, I like Lydia. Um, I still think I'm, I'm not sure yet quite how trustworthy she is. I, I think that she yeah. kind of is. But um, I do like her. Um, I think, um, you know, she she's doing a great job on this show. And I'm curious now that, you know, well, now that you guys are kind of enlightened to my way of thinking in this, how this conversation, but I'm curious if you think Michonne would have said the same thing um, if this conversation had happened after her conversation that she had with Judith. Because, you know, she kind of, you know, she's telling Lydia all of this, you know, because she's, Michonne is in that place where she's like, Scarred. You know, th- this is yeah. She's scarred. She's like this is where her headspace is. Where she's ultimately protecting not only her children but her whole community. You know, mm-hmm. for the betterment, and she's keeping them isolated because of of the circumstances that happened all of these years ago that we get in the flashbacks. And I'm curious if you guys think that that conversation might have went a little bit differently um, had that conversation taken place after mm-hmm. she goes through that with Judith. Mm-hmm. I think it might have because Judith really. You know, that scene where she said, when did we stop loving Daryl and mm-hmm. the king? 
and well we didn't well why does it feel like that way for for one thing that made me almost start crying because she was, so <laughs> was so good but the real the point of the main point of that i felt like was hey these are our friends we should be helping them and i do yeah. think it's great to extend that out to trying to help other people while being smart about it but really i don't know if it was extended that far out for michonne yet it was more like she decided okay, yeah, we're going to help the people we love. Well, she doesn't love Leah. Yeah. And so Correct. I think she may have still, still said that. Mm. And mm. and on top of that, like, it's going to be really hard for Michonne to come back in trusting strangers after this. I, I mean, this is already, what, five or six years after the happening of you know, the kidnapping and everything. And um, it's, I, I got to think that a simple conversation with Judith won't fix her distrust of total strangers. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, sure, I think that she was reminded that, yeah, we have to give credit to our friends, our people whom we love, like the Daryls and, you know, the Maggies. But, you know, to totally give our trust to a stranger again, like we did when we took in Jocelyn and her pack, that's going to be tough for her to do. So... I'm kind of leaning that she probably would have still had this conversation. Um, but, you know, maybe she would have tempered it a little bit. But still, she, I doubt if mm-hmm. she would really trust Lydia yet. And neither do I. I mean, Lydia hasn't really proven herself quite yet. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I agree. But it's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. That's I'm trying to decide. Yeah, I feel like I... I trust Lydia more than you two, but when I think about it, I'm like, should I really? I guess you're right. She hasn't totally proven herself. I mean, she's shown that she wants to get away from the whispers, but that mm-hmm. that's a little sketchy still. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, the, the, she the definitely needs I'm, to do something yeah. to kind of prove her loyalty a little bit yeah. more to the you know the group, whether that be you know, Hilltop, the kingdom, whomever, I guess, you right. know, wherever she's at needs to prove her loyalty a little bit more to show that she's actually mm-hmm. going to stick with them. She should take mm-hmm. a cue from Negan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. and, and I'm, I'm still not sure of whether, you know, she's in the middle of a long con or not, you know? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. But, I hope okay. not. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to be surprised by that, but it, it just doesn't feel like it. I, I just don't, you know, I say the show doesn't really do stuff like that, but then mm-hmm. this very episode, it wasn't really exactly, long that's con, why. but with Jocelyn, mm-hmm. it totally well, was that. Yeah. It, well, we kind of saw a little bit when she first went back, like whenever they did the whole trade, um, you know, and, and gave Lydia back to the whispers. Um, she didn't fully go back. She kind of did what she had to do because she's back with her mother um, and the whole group. But, you know, Lydia has had a whole life of abuse and it's really hard to mm-hmm. predict, you know, how people are going to react in certain situations when they've grown up, you know, in an abusive situation, you know, all their lives. And that's yeah. all they know. It's, they don't think Stockholm like other, syndrome. yeah, they don't really, mm-hmm. you know, they think a little bit differently, you know, about things and they don't always react how, you know, someone who maybe who did not grow up in an abusive situation might react. So, you know, I'm not saying that she would do it because she didn't feel that she cared about the people or didn't feel loyal towards them, but you just can't really, I feel like that's kind of like a wild card, you know, for her. It's kind it of is. predict what she'll do. 
She one thing that you just reminded me of though is when she did go back to the whispers, she lied to her mom and didn't rat out uh, mm-hmm. the the kingdom. So that was that's something. a good point. That was something. Yeah. That's true. <clears throat> okay, my well, w- wait. While we're on uh, Lydia, I uh, this episode's called Scars, and there's a lot of different representations of scars. Um, <laughs> the the yeah. big one is Daryl and Michonne's exes, and also they're kind of spiritual scars i would call it where this whole uh occurrence just totally fucked up especially michonne Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so so henry has this gnarly looking scar with these like big thick old stitches sticking out and uh she's like fondling it kind of yeah (laughs) i I like it i know where you're going with this (laughs) well yeah i mean i mentioned on the podcast before that in the comic lydia licks carl's eye socket oh god and and i think this is supposed to evoke that because um Mm -hmm. it's her saying don't be ashamed this is a sign of you doing something for me and i'll never forget what you did and well for carl it was more it was different though it was more like he had been hiding his eye with with a patch and he was ashamed of how it looked and embarrassed and she was saying don't be embarrassed about yourself just show the world what you really are and so he took the patch off after that and it was really beautiful it was like ah oh, she's helping him feel better about himself as a, as a person so this was just mm. kind of like a little tiny hit of that but not quite the same because that scar is nowhere near as big of a mark as a missing eye <laughs> but it, right. I think it was kind of just sort of an homage to the comic a little bit, though. I, I, I kept thinking, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rima. No, I was just going to say that I agree that that was, you know, since we don't have Carl and the whole Lydia Carl storyline with the comic, I feel like that is what they were doing um, with that. Um, and, you know, I thought it was, you know, interesting that he's so worried about a scar on his leg when Carl actually had the scar on his face. Yeah. And it's like, yes. no one's probably even going to see that. It's like, and chicks dig scars. You know, exactly. that's like, I mean, <laughs> why are you worried about that? Yeah, anyway, he should be like I, I showing totally it off. Look, look, look what I did for you. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I just kept thinking about The Simpsons where, you know, like Bart's sister kept poking his, his a cut and Bart would go like, ow, quit it. <laughs> ow, <laughs> quit it. <laughs> ow, quit it. <laughs> well, That's and the funny. fact that he was, um, he should have totally, just as a side note, when he was actually getting the stitches and it, it looks like he had, I mean, I'm guessing supplies are pretty limited. It's a zombie apocalypse and I'm guessing they probably don't waste too many pain meds for something like stitches. I get Mm. that it's painful, um, but I think I would have had Lydia like wait outside. No way do I want a girl sitting there next to me. You know, is he sitting there squirming and whining about getting stitches in his leg? Dude, it's fine if you're going to squirm around, but don't have your girl sitting there right next to you watching. Oh, no, that's even better because it's like, oh, oh, it hurts so much. Oh, Lydia, do you see what I did for you? Oh, oh, ow, it hurts. No, no. You got to be like Rambo and stick a hot poker in it to cauterize it. Exactly. (laughs) You know, just, br- you know, rub some dirt in it. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. Number three. This is going to be a long one. Um, I couldn't help it. But uh, I really appreciated the storytelling of this episode, how it, all mm. the different aspects came together. And so this is about the structure of the episode and how that increased the impact of it and also the context that we came in with and 
how all that complemented the storytelling. So what we knew coming in was that Daryl and Michonne had these scars and they, anytime it was, they were shown, there was just a heaviness about it. Something really bad happened to them. And now Michonne in particular doesn't want to help or trust anyone outside Alexandria, even her formerly closest friends because of whatever happened. So we knew something really bad happened and we were kind of like, I was kind of like, well, to make Michonne be like this for six years, it better be a big deal. And dude, after what we saw, it totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like Mm. it's like, Oh yeah, that if that happens, I could understand, (laughs) especially because, uh, so we're coming into this knowing that something really, really bad is going to happen. And even though it starts off, feeling sort of mundane if we didn't have that context like her friend shows up oh that's a really cool uh i felt like when i used to watch lost i'm i'm hyper aware my brain is switched on because i don't know what the hell is really going on and and i want to know mm. and so that was one thing that made the episode great just making me wa- watch it for every little detail so for example like the camera turns towards the manhole at one point what i'm mean, what is mm. that all about and you find mm-hmm. out later that's how they they escaped but uh, her her friend shows up, and I'm like, I don't I don't trust you. Something's gonna happen with you, and so I'm listening to everything she's saying. She says the adults in her group broke, and I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe you broke too. Maybe you're insane. Mm-hmm. Well, later you figure out probably what she meant by that is, I mean, she is insane, but they also probably weren't quote unquote strong enough, so she had to kill them or something like that. That's what I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. Uh, there's like a little teasing Michonne says I've done things to protect this place. Some things I'm not proud of. Some I try to forget to save my people. I've had to risk others. It hasn't been easy, but it's what I had to do. So I'm just like, what, what is it? What did, what did you have to do? What else? She's talking about how she hasn't told Judith what it was because she's a kid and she gets to keep being one as long as I can help it. And I'm, (laughs) I'm thinking, Oh, you're trying to preserve Judith's innocence by not telling her this fucked up thing. What about my innocence? I'm, I'm, what am I heading towards here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, am I going to be able to unsee this? Whatever it is. <laughs> That's Nobody's kinda, thinking of you at all. Yeah. yeah. Like, should I turn this off? Like, <laughs> I, I also was thinking about the the termites, like how they went through such a horrible event that it turned them into cannibals and mm-hmm. it turns out i think actually that was a little worse because they just were captured and tortured for a long time but oh, yeah. um anyways um other little things like i see scott i'm like have we seen him in the present is he is he gonna die i'm just asking myself questions like that i don't didn't remember or well, like we mentioned before we see the instructions for draining and gutting and cooking a deer carcass and I'm like, what does that mean? What What is going to happen? And then, mm-hmm. so all of this tension is while there's nothing really tense happening on screen, but it's because of the context. But then when the kids go missing and then they find the dead guy and the infirmary looted and there's bloody, I think, child yeah. footprints heading yeah. towards the manhole, yeah. that's when the tension just all of a sudden really started ramping up. And then when Michonne and Daryl came around the corner and all the kids were there with weapons pointed at them, it yeah. just, the wheels are off the car at this point. Then Daryl gets shot. Like drop, mm-hmm. drop them. Well, where are my kids? Foop. I'm like, Oh shit, they're serious. 
from that moment, the tension ramped way up. So And then just messed up things started to happen. When that little kid Linus cut Michonne's belly, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I, my thought, which is not really rational, was, oh, my God, she's going to lose her baby. RJ is a figment of her imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my thought. And then Jocelyn is hitting her with that board. And oh she's, gosh, yeah. and just the yeah. fact that she's pregnant made that so brutal. And mm-hmm. then Michonne grabs the sword and stabs right. And it's just, yeah, fuck you. And so I thought, oh, wow, this is already a really intense episode. And then comes the moment with, with the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I thought, oh, man, while it was happening, I, I went through all kinds of emotions. Do we really need to see this? Um, it was shocking. And I, I totally loved how they intercut it with her in the present looking for Judith and killing all the zombies so we knew exactly what she did without having to see it right that was brilliant so it was very shocking and horrifying and horrible but also just a conclusion worthy of this whole story wondering what the hell these scars were so brilliant and at the same time terrible i thought you know yeah uh, two things I want to interject, uh, Jason, in, in total agreement with you. Um, the first one was the tension that you talked about because of the context in the beginning. Yeah. Um, the part of the brilliance of uh, who, who is the, this director, by the way, for, for this episode? Do you know? It was a um, woman. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, Millicent Shelton. Okay. The the part of the brilliance of Millicent Shelton was yeah. At the beginning, you know, you knew something was effed up, you know, with this group walking in because something always is, right? But then, you know, well, the not normal, always. Oh, like not with, always. With but, Aaron, you wondered with him. Yeah, that's true. And but then but yeah, be a cool dude. <laughs> well, well, you know, but yeah, you 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 felt tension, and then all of a sudden she dialed it down, you know, with the normalcy of the campfire mm-hmm. and the games, and like, oh, let's play not move, you know, whatever that game was, and and you know, everyone was getting along really well. The discussion with Michonne and um, Jocelyn, you know, like reminiscing Her over college. the old days, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so. So, you know, so that dialed it down. Then all of a sudden, you know, like, oh, well, let's pick up the kids from the sleepover. And, you know, it, I was actually taken off guard, you know, because of that. Um, but, yeah, then then she ramped it back up again. And then um, what another thing I wanted to comment was the interspersing of the two scenes where Michonne is fighting the children and then interspersing that with Michonne fighting the the walkers. Um that was a brilliant way to keep up the kinetic action of the scene without showing us the true, you know, horror of uh, an adult killing children. Yeah, that this is one of the best stage scenes. Yes, Even though it's, it was. You, some people might say, and I, I wouldn't argue that it's horrifying to even have children. And some people might even think they shouldn't have done that. But that aside... Because her swinging motions were exactly the same. Correct. And then you'd see a zombie's head fly off instead of a little kid. So it was just such a great way of imparting the horror of the scene without having to actually show it. Yes, yes. Absolutely. So, and then speaking of, of the past and the future, that was my last little thing about the structure of the episode. That was also really effective in a way that it hasn't been before when they've shown 
episodes of The Walking Dead where there's something that happens in the past and something in the present because they're so connected here. The present is Michonne grappling with her untrusting nature and Daryl showing up with Lydia just, you know, exacerbates that. And Mm -hmm. also Hilltop and Kingdom being in, in trouble and her resisting wanting to help. And and here's Judith calling for her to change. And then, you know, when Michonne found out that she had remembered all that and still wanted to help that kind of pushed her over the edge. But anyway, that all that stuff going on in contrast with, or not contrast, but complimentary with in the past showing exactly why she's developed this attitude just Mm. worked really well. And that kind of sepia filter that they used to show the past versus when they did it before, I think it was maybe season six, episode one where they showed black and white and then color. I think the sepia filter worked a lot better. It was less jarring for me and it, it just was good. Mm, yeah cool it was yeah i was wondering if it was um confusing for you guys it wasn't for me but i read a lot of folks that were confused by you know like oh this is the flashback this is the present and and i thought it was like actually nice and i didn't find it confusing Mm -hmm. i mean michonne being super pregnant also made it pretty clear yeah well yeah there was you know you know yes her very you know pregnant belly um in that shots also she was wearing the headband that we're, we're used exactly. to seeing her wear you know typically outside of season nine you know she always had that headband um you know so that was you know another way to kind of tell i thought the filter was subtle enough to give it that idea of like here's what's happening in the past and then yeah you know to see what was happening in the present so i, I thought that was a nice touch as well and i thought very well done um unlike fear the walking dead when they- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one other piece piece of context that i had was i just happened to see one comment i think it was rachel teal i'm not sure who said oh my god this was worse than i thought and then i'm like oh yeah i'm not supposed to be reading comments so i stopped there but i'm like oh my god worse than i thought because i thought that they probably had their kidneys removed and that's what the scars were right so yeah. when they get branded i was like Oh, that's not worse than I thought. That's that's better than I thought. And then then the whole kid killing thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, worse than black market kidney transplants in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> we should have a game. What would be worse? <laughs> oh god, what's grosser than gross? Ten babies in one garbage can, or one baby in ten garbage cans? <laughs> you know, we could go so many places with that. We totally should not while we're recording. All right, all right. Yeah, we better not. Okay, Evelyn. <laughs> know what's your number two <laughs> well on that note um <laughs> my so yeah my number two was the weapon eh, the weaponization of children in the zombie apocalypse um the so this in in, in this episode we showed how it kind of like the original um idea or, or the original way of weaponizing children in presenting them as you know the normal innocent kind of children that we expect and then you know in the background this you know group leader manipulating the children to you know diabolical ends of you know stealing food stealing medicine stealing kids and um but it it, it's interesting that until season until the last couple of seasons you know we didn't really have children being all that dangerous until now and the only dangerous kids that we really did have you know carol took care of them you know she carol had them <laughs> watch the look at the flowers but now you mean you mean enemies right because you could say that carl i 
guess so. Yeah, maybe. but yeah, maybe yeah Car- Carl's kind of borderline. Well, yeah, what, yeah, what was yeah. what was the girl's name that got killed? He, you know, with by Lizzie. Carol, Lizzie. Lizzie yeah, yeah. She uh, was like, dangerous. But, but the funny yeah. thing is, if Lizzie was alive now, you know, with the present age, with her the same age as she was back then when she was killed. We would think that she fits in into the zombie apocalypse five or six or seven years later, you know? Um, so Wait, I'm not so sure you, about that. How so? I mean, she killed her sister. That doesn't fit in. But well, only, she would be a good whisperer, because, though. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. because she because would. so many other children are like her nowadays. Yeah, I, I, not that she would fit into the group of Alexandria or the Kingdom or you know mm-hmm. um, Hilltop, but that she would fit into now this present you know vision of the zombie apocalypse. You know because yeah, now we've we've got these children um, that are you know weaponized by I, I don't know what to call this it. group Michonne, Michonne's group, but we have Judith now. You know Judith is a killing machine. Sure, she's on the side of the good guys, but she's a killing machine too. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've got uh, we've. You could Henry. argue that that yeah, Henry and Lydia. You know, Henry back when he was a kid before Rick died. You know, Rick disappeared. I should say. Um, you know, he was a killing machine as well. You know, um, uh, Lydia. She's very capable herself, and yeah. we still don't know her. You know, her end game. <laughs> But um, are they killers of people or killers of walkers? That's and uh, they're capable of both. Let's put it yeah. that way. Um, you know, back back in you know when when Rick and company were still fresh faced and everything, we wouldn't even expect these kids to know much about killing, which which is natural because they grew up yeah. in the the real world. You know, the, the, as Michonne put it. But nowadays, you know, they're we're expecting kids to be very capable of killing walkers and possibly killing people by the time they're six, seven, you know, by the time they're the age of my son, Andre, and maybe your yeah. kids, Jason. I mean, know? it reminds me, of, I don't really know too much about kind of like geopolitical affairs and things, but in other parts of the world where there's less order and there's more war, like some places in the mm-hmm. Middle East, then mm-hmm. younger kids you see pictures, you know, they've got guns and they're fighting. They put a machine stuff gun and, in their hands. Yeah. 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 So, in Africa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So without without civilization, uh, like, you can make draw inferences yeah. with The Walking Dead. And, and so this whole, you know, this whole theme of the weaponization of these kids really made me, like, that's what affected me a lot in this episode is, you know, I, I watching the kids get killed was very horrific but knowing that the kids were brought up so that they you know were feral almost you know they they were capable of killing good people like michonne people that they were laughing with just the evening before um you know and and sharing dinner with and stuff like that and that that actually kind of affected me as well you know just mm-hmm. when i th- think about my own son who's seven years old and him being capable of the same thing as these kids i was like geez you know like uh, the 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 fact that they have to be that way because of the zombie apocalypse was was horrific you know Mm -hmm. well it's scary to think that whenever you you know when you start teaching children to to kind of be that way and you know kids brains are not fully developed yet and to see how it affects them different kids in different ways i mean even carl is as kind as what carl was you got to remember back uh what was at the end of season three Three. whenever you know he was kind of crossing the line 
a little yeah. bit when he he killed that one boy that came oh, from yeah. Woodbury. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And even Carl yeah. was kind of crossing the line. That's when Rick kind of pulled back and was like, "Oh hell, you know, Herschel was like having that, you know, come to Jesus moment with Rick. Like, dude, you're Carl is crossing the line. You got to pull back." And that's when Rick kind of pulled back from you know, and he focused more at staying there with Carl because Carl was turning into a little psychopath. And yeah, um, you know, and then Lizzie, I don't, I'm not really sure. I think she just kind of had something bent in her brain already that kind of messed up mm. her way of thinking. I don't know if it was events that happened or something that twisted her way of thinking and how she viewed the walkers as her friends and not threats. And she wanted to kill her sister to, you know, make, you know, so she'd be with her forever. And, you know, that was in its own way twisted thinking. And it's kind of hard to kind of know where to cross that line. Cause I think like with Carol, when Carol was at the prison secretly teaching the kids knives um, and, mm-hmm. you know, like how to, you know, fight and defend yourself. I think at a certain age, at least in the zombie apocalypse, you almost have to kind of, I mean, you want your kids to be kids. I, I get that you ha- want them to be innocent, but you cannot, you know, be ignorant to the fact that there are not only walkers out there that are threats, but there are people out there that are threats and they should at least know how to defend themselves. But it's so, you know, it's like how much, how far do you go and how much do you teach them on these young impressionable kids you know before you cross that line and and if you lack you know these these teachers of the kids that have the moral compass to show them right versus wrong sure they can show them how to be capable and how to be quote-unquote killing machines but you know killing in the right context Mm -hmm. um if you if you lack this moral compass these kids can turn out just like they did in this episode just you know Mm -hmm. like cold-blooded killers one of the criticisms i have of the episode uh, is um sometimes i felt like it had people acting in ways that didn't make total sense maybe for how they would actually be but were more just to guide us along to this escalating tension for example you mentioned they were playing with the other kids and Mm. then they become killers and even jocelyn herself she was so believable as reminiscing with Michonne and then just kind of flipped a switch and it's arguable, it's debatable. But to me, it felt like with those, especially with the kids that maybe it would seem like something was off to somebody, but they really wanted us to like you did to drop your guard. And so they just acted, all the actors acted as if they were sincere. And I feel like it would have maybe with Jocelyn been more interesting since we knew, I mean, I I didn't drop my guard. I knew something was going to bad happen. So (laughs) I figured she was going to do something. It didn't surprise me that she turned out to be bad. So it would have been more interesting to me if she actually showed a few signs of that, but Michonne chose to ignore it because then she would even be more conflicted about having uh, ignored it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, versus Mm -hmm. just had her act as if everything was totally fine. Yeah, so I'm like one of the most naive people around. Sometimes (laughs) I, I, I I think that I'm cynical, but like there are times that like I'm like like oh yeah, this guy he's you know or this gal she's so great, he's so great, and then all of a sudden like you know they dupe me and like I'm like thinking like gosh, why didn't I see that coming? (laughs) I would have been duped too, except I knew this was the episode about how they got the scars. So I'm like, well, we're partway, we're pretty far into it, so it's got to have something to do with this. I think because we all went in knowing that. We're going to yeah. probably get the story here and we know something <laughs> bad is going to happen. But what made it even worse, it wasn't like strangers that they were letting in through the door or at least 
to Michonne uh, anyway. I mean, the kids, correct. she didn't know. But I mean, this was her great friend from college. And when she's yes. talking to Daryl about the things that they went through, she's like, she wasn't just a friend. She was my real friend. You know, this is yeah. someone she went through some really hard things with. They had some, you know, some deep moments. So this was someone that, you know, really meant a lot to her in her life. It wasn't just a casual friend or whatever. And, you mm-hmm. know, how, how deep that friendship went. So, you know, that is, I think, probably what allowed Michonne to kind of drop her guard. Plus, she's yeah. still kind of rolling off the whole fact of, you know, Rick and Carl and what they were wanting for them and the group and to allow people and to expand the community and to, you know, reach out and stuff. She's still kind of in that mindset. So, mm. you know, it makes sense like for her to trust her. But that's why I wish that they would have had her be a little bit sketchy, just a little so that it would have given Michonne something to have looked back on and being like, ah, I should have known versus, you know, I like when um, people have failings because I feel like people in real life really do, but I totally don't blame her at all for trusting her the way she presented well, herself. Maybe yeah. that's why she went so extreme as far as isolating herself and the community because yeah, she felt absolutely. like, you know, that's, she didn't. If you see can't it. trust your good friends, then who mm, can you trust? Exactly. Yeah, that, that was what was good about it because it, oh. well, like I was saying before, it totally made me believe why Michonne would be the way she was because not only did she let her guard down and then suffer for it, but also it was from someone that she thought she could that she thought was a friend so from exactly. now on i'm not gonna trust anyone right it now, wasn't like she let a stranger in the door because it's like oh well yeah. of course a stranger screwed me over or they tricked us or something because i didn't right. know them but you know because right. it was someone she trusted so implicitly yeah that's why know? abuse kids like their parents, the ones that are supposed to be taking care of them are the ones that are messing with them. So that's why they're just so, you know, scarred mm-hmm. <laughs> for life. Okay. We should probably get, get moving. I think we're on <laughs> you, Rima, right? Number two. <laughs> I think so. Um, so my number two is Negan. I really liked that he was the one that got through to Michonne about Judith. I, you know, haven't talked a whole lot or given a whole lot of feedback, you know, about, you know, the differences that we see in Negan um, this season. I know a lot of people just are done with him and don't really want to see him on their screen again. And I totally understand and respect like that fact. Like Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to call her out, Jason, but if you're going to go there. <laughs> but, well, I mean, she's not alone, really. I no. mean, I know Karen, you know, is pretty much I don't just know. I have like, to ask her. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what Karen has to say, Mm -hmm. but you know, lots of people, and I totally get that, and I respect that opinion. I'm not sure that I'm not totally in that, you know, um, side myself. But I, I like seeing this Negan, the the without the, you know, the whole spiel, you know, that he always Mm -hmm. had kind of going on, and you know, his this seems like the real person to me, and I and I like that we're kind of getting that side, and you know, I like that he was you know, shooting straight, not just with Judith. And he was, I thought it was kind of surprising that he was as honest as what he was with Judith, that he told her what happened. You know, Mm -hmm. hopefully he kept it toned down to her age, you know, appropriateness as far as like what happened. He's like, I shut that shit down. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you should have seen his eye pop out of his skull. Yeah, exactly, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, I'm I'm hoping that he because he really does seem to you know he I think he did have you know a caring relationship with Carl before he passed, and I think that he kind of has that also with Judith, um, you know, as well. And I think that's really interesting to see that relationship with them. Um, but I I really liked that moment that Negan and Michonne had. And I'm curious what's going to happen, you know, moving forward. Um, I know a little bit about what happens in the comics, which I won't talk about here, um, because I know there's, uh, you know, comic talk and there's, you know, spoilers and stuff. So I won't talk too much. But I'm curious, you know, what do you guys think now that we keep seeing more and more of this side of Negan? Do you think that he would ever be or should be allowed to ever, you know, live freely amongst the Alexandrians? you know, and kind of be allowed to kind of live amongst them on a limited, or even on a limited basis, be let out for a little while, maybe if with a guard <laughs> or a chain. chains or something and kind <laughs> like of, you know, kind of be out. Do you think he's paid for what he's done? Do you think there's no redemption for him or no going back? I'm curious what you guys think. Ah, uh, shit. I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked everything with Negan in this episode and on an emotional level I think he's charming as hell and I really think it's it seems like he's just being super honest you know he's not trying to pull one over on anyone Mm -hmm. um I I still feel like I, I the question in my mind is let's say that he has turned over a new leaf is that the point of him being in there for um, what do you call it when you're in prison reform or is it punishment? Mm-hmm. Cause if it's punishment, then he probably deserves to die for what he did. But if it's reform and he is reformed, then he's reformed. But I also wonder if he, if he is reformed, like I know I, I do feel like he's being honest. I do feel like he showed that he's not out to go out and build up another kingdom and, Uh, be the boss because he went out and he came back and went back into the jail, but he hasn't really said whether he feels remorse and he really hasn't said what his viewpoint is on why he did what he did or would he do it again or anything like that. Like I really am curious just for kind of entertainment Mm -hmm. value for him to have a conversation about his perspective on everything that went down now that he's had some time to think about it. I, I'm really right. Like, yeah. like he hasn't really had a trial or like a pro yeah. or like when they go in front of the parole board and they have to exactly you know, kind of yeah. give, you know, do you feel remorse? But I think people feel uh, they bullshit when they are in situations like that. Like I, I would rather him like maybe talk to Judith about it or, you know, just well, say he, what he really sure, thinks. Sure. Here's one wrinkle. Here's one wrinkle I want to introduce though. Is, you know, so we're, we're talking about, you know, Negan, you know, being judged like he's committed a crime, you know, and it was horrific what he did to Abraham and to Glenn. But on the other hand, when you think about it, he also did what he did in the context of here was an invading group coming mm-hmm. into, you know, the sanctuary's territories and killing, you know, my own people. Mm-hmm. So do we judge him as a criminal or do we judge him as the enemy leader of an enemy nation? You know, which are two different things, you know. Um, it's not like he, you know, overtly tortured, you know, both, um, you know, both Abraham and Glenn. I mean, yeah, it, it, that wasn't the cleanest kill he could have done. But, you know, he... he 
he killed enemy combatants, you know, in, in yeah. a way that he was supposed he to, you know, spare bloodshed, you know. I guess you're right. I mean, he also um he he acted like a mob boss. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. he he took control and started taking half their shit and everything. And yeah. he also he killed a few more people. Um, but you have a good point. I mean, I mentioned it on the podcast before. You have if you yeah. think about it in the context. Well, what if somebody came into your camp and exactly yes. your people in their sleep? But also, they the reason why Rick and his group did that is because they were being terrorized by Negan's people. So yeah. Negan's people actually kind of started it. If you want to talk about it that way, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that makes a difference difference for sure if you, if you if you had started the zombie apocalypse from anyone else's and i'm not saying that i totally believe this but i can kind of see the point if you had started the walking dead from anyone else's perspective besides rick and you saw rick come in and his group do some of the things that they were doing you would almost think that they're the bad guys Absolutely. some yeah. of the things that but they have done i i can't ever um imagine following negan and seeing him as a good guy where he's Burn, no. ironing people's faces and taking no. their wives from them and stuff like that like he he yeah. fucked up <laughs> sure oh yeah. yeah i don't i don't disagree yeah. but i mean it's you know our the group the our group you know rick and all of them their hands are not 100 percent clean that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah. this episode i felt the strongest that if neat we don't know what he wants really i'm curious but if he actually does want a chance to prove that he's trustworthy and be free that he should be given some opportunity to prove his trustworthiness somehow. Right. I was really mm-hmm. feeling feeling like that. Now I'm not saying that's what I think for sure, but um, I was just you know being kind of taken in by him this episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. What about you, Avelino? Uh so again, he probably shouldn't be judged as a criminal, but as the leader of an enemy nation, you know. But that being said, yeah, is he redeemable? Is he can he finally, you know, integrate into the present society? That's a good question because it seems like his only quote unquote weakness or soft side is for children. He seems to gen- genuinely care about children, about Carl, about Judith. But, you know, so so it seems that, you know, his main purpose or his best good can be had by taking care of kids somehow, but I would never so let him be my kids. Should he be the new daycare. nanny? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Negan's, possibly, Negan's nanny yeah. services. Yeah, Negan's nanny services, you know? Um, so, it's so that's the, practice, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the, you know, that's the, the ironic thing, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's tough to really redeem a guy like that because he took mm. he took such pleasure out of you know right. the punishments that he gave out. I mean, I do believe that you know the writers can write anything they want, so they can write. Okay, yeah. Negan now feels complete remorse and he's now a good person. You know, they can turn him into that if they want to. But then the question still is: Should a person like that be forgiven? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know the answer to that. I think at the very least he should. I mean, he's, you know, free labor at anyway. If you can find some <laughs> yeah. way to like, you know, keep him confined, like some chains around his ankles so he can't just get away. You know, if you can have someone kind of keeping an eye on him, he can be put to use in the community, mm. you know, building things. It looks like they've gotten lots of structures that they've built up. You know, they've, you know, 
you know, the garden and things like that. We saw the, you know, um, when Rick was having like his, you know, visions and dreams or whatever, and you saw Negan in the garden and the tomatoes and stuff, you know, there's things I think that you could at least, you know, you know, get him out at least for a couple of hours a day and, and make him do things around the community, make him useful. He's doing no good. Make license in plates. A cell. Yeah, yeah, make yeah, because that's necessary. <laughs> but I don't know. It just seems like you know. I'm not saying he's completely redeemable or he should just maybe live freely. I just think that you know, there's he could serve a better purpose than just rotting in a cell. Um, mm-hmm. Could put him to use, you know, building or maintaining the community. Mm-hmm. Or you could have Michonne smash him upside the head with a baseball bat. Well, if then they just need to do it instead of making her exactly, rot. yeah, and, and wasting food on him. Exactly, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I'm, this is probably mirrors a lot of arguments that people have about our justice system today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, my number two. We've talked a bit about trusting and, and helping others. This episode was really focused on Michonne deciding to trust others again and extend herself out to help her friends besides just the the Alexandrians. And um, I love that Judith was the one who was a stand for helping people. I, I mean, I went back and forth between feeling like Judith is a little too precocious and a little too perfect. Um, but by the end, I thought what really saved it for me the most was Kaylee Fleming's acting, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in that so one good. scene. Yeah. I, I really just felt like, Oh man, I'm so moved by this. And I do believe that that would, when, when Michonne found out that, she already knew, but she still felt like this. And, and when, even when she said, you know, do we, um, when do we stop loving these people? That sounded like something a real kid would say. Yeah. And so I just really liked that. That's what set Michonne on this new path. But I also think, you know, if this episode is about Michonne deciding to trust and help people again, of course, it's all going to come back and bite her in the ass big time. Right. Really soon. Yeah. Like, cause <laughs> walking dead, punishes any compassion yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like she said i've done all of this i shut out the world you know and i've done this to protect you and rj in the community and guess what you're still alive to tell the tale and yeah of course now that we know her she's softening again of course it's gonna bite her in the ass because what happens on this show (laughs) (laughs) and i just i think we even might have seen that. I'm not sure. But um, in the very end, we saw Michonne take her car turned into a horse carriage out and give Daryl and everybody a ride over to the kingdom. And the whispers, there were a couple whispers who were like, we got to go tell Alpha about this. They weren't whispering, by the way, which I think they should mm-hmm. always be whispering. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, I I wondered, okay, did they find them because they were in this big carriage and otherwise they wouldn't have been able to track Daryl? And is so is this our, the first instance of Michonne's newfound kindness coming to bite everybody in the ass? I think it was. I think that was the point. And that's what The Walking mm-hmm. Dead does that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and as much as, and this kind of just goes into my number one a little bit, talking about the scars and, and how we see, you know, Michonne kind of, you know, open up a little bit, you know, through Judith and Judith kind of opening her eyes that, you know, 
when you love someone, that means that you protect them and do what you, whatever you can to protect them. Of course, I'm paraphrasing a little bit about what she said. Um, I don't think we're going to see a complete 180 turn with Michonne. You don't just heal from that overnight. I don't think that that is, you know, what happened to her, you know, that, that inner wound that she had, you know, was open for so long that now it's starting to heal. Um, you know, talking to Judith and having that talk with Judith, but I don't think that it's completely healed where she's just going to forget and let that go. So I'm hoping that, I mean, because to me, that's more real. You don't just flip flop. You don't go, oh, well, of course you're right. So we're just going to completely go back to just helping everyone. You're not going to just help everyone, but you are going to help the people that you love. Um, mm-hmm. And then help the people that you love, and that means you know at least at least opening the doors back up to the other communities because it wasn't like she was just closing Alexandria's doors to you know to just strangers. She was doing it to everyone, cutting off the kingdom and hilltop and and everyone. And like, no, we're not. You know, even Aaron had to to sneak out to go visit Jesus and hang out with him and stuff. So it's like nobody was allowed to leave and go, you know, mingle with the rest of the communities. And, and so I think that she's at least maybe going to open up a little bit to, at least that's what I hope because I don't think she's going to flip flop, but I would hope that at least, because to me that's more realistic is we're going to help the people we know and that we love everyone else can screw off. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. That is more common for sure. Okay. Evelina, what's your number one? So my number one, well, um, uh, continuing what uh, Rima was just talking about, uh, Michonne uh, Denai Guerrera, she hit it out of the park this episode. I mean, um, she—we've always seen glimpses of Michonne as you know, as a warrior and as a lover, and you know, also as a tender mother too. But this whole this episode really rolled everything into one. I mean, this was such a showcase for Denai's ta- talents and also the complexity of Michonne and just how, you know, she is she is such a complicated person in the fact that, you know, she's a loving mother. She's a, a katana welding warrior. She is, you know, um someone who was who deeply misses Rick, her her lover, mm-hmm. you know, her husband, and um and a good friend, you know, taking in Jocelyn and 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 all all of that and and being a protector you know being the guardian of alexandria being you know a steward you know a warden of someone who brings in strangers this was everything all rolled into one and and we saw that tour de force this week of michonne i mean it was incredible the the range of emotions that deny would have had to play or did what what am i saying did play for this episode you know um can you imagine like being a pregnant mother running into the teeth of danger trying to recover your you know your child Judith your adopted child Judith and and also the the children of the other people in Alexandria and on top of that you know facing a friend whom you knew almost all of your life from a past world that has just totally betrayed you, you know, to the point of looking into your eyes while you're being branded, you know, and your flesh is melting, you know, and and then having to fight these feral children and kill children. Uh, this this whole episode, I, I just love the way 
they showed Michonne, and I love the way that Denai played this episode. It, she did such an awesome job this 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 episode. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a standout for her. Yeah, and I wonder yeah. what she thought when she read the script. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that? What? You know, but having, oh, this yeah. is where we're going. <laughs> can, can you imagine having to play a mother protecting a pregnant, you know, protecting a baby growing inside of you, and a child that whom you've adopted, and trying not to kill children that are attacking you? No. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? That's incredible. Speaking yeah. as a mom, I mean, and and having carried a child, but, you know, I, I think even, you know, whether you're a man or woman, parent or non-parent, you know, the thought of having to do what she did and confronting children and having to do, you know, in the end, take them out, um, essentially, because they did not stop. And no matter how mm-hmm. much she tried to reason with them, she said, you know, just you can go back to Alexandria with me. Nothing was getting through to them. Like these kids were too far gone. And that was so mm-hmm. sad to see. She that didn't have there a was, choice. Yeah, that there yeah. was no going back with these kids. And that was so heartbreaking. So for anyone, it would be terrible to have to go yeah. through and to have to live through. But then to be a mom and then not only to be a mom, but, you know, to also be heavily pregnant with your own child, to to mm-hmm. know that this is what you're doing because you're carrying a child of your own. And, and it, you know, you're already so emotional and you have lots of hormones and things happening and this is what you're having to do. Um, but in the end, she had to do what she needed to not only to protect Judith, but her unborn child. If it had just been mm-hmm. Michonne alone, you know, I think this could have played out differently. But, oh, yeah. Um, Just run you away. Know. Yeah. They yeah. did a really good job of, I, I, at least I think, I mean, I'd be interested to know what, but it sounds like at least with us three, I feel like they did a good job of making it seem like she had no choice. Yeah. And yep. we don't, even though it was a horrific thing to have to do, we don't blame her one bit because she was doing it to save not only her kid, but the other kids of the Alexandrians. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you saw exactly. she was hitting that one when they were still inside that. I don't remember what kind of building that they were in, but when they were all like in that like hallway. Yeah. Oh, and she oh. was like hitting them with the, she hit that one girl in the arm with that heavy pipe. She hit her in the leg yeah. and she was tripping yeah. them, trying to like just disarm them, disable right. them a little bit so they would, you know, wouldn't yeah. be able to come after her. In my opinion, she did what she had to do. I don't, you know, as horrific as what it was. And I, and I, Honestly, had if I had been faced in the same situation, I totally would have done the same. Um, yeah, you know, fiercely protecting the the child that you have, the other children of Alex- Alexandria, and the one that you're trying to carry as well. I mean, they totally you could see that slash. I know it was for TV and not real, but oh that looked so God. deep. I mean, yeah. that yes. looked fierce. Yes, you yes. could really go down a dark road. Like, well, maybe she could have run around him, or but I don't think. That's well, they all started coming well, after her yeah, at once, too. Did. Exactly. But what if exactly. she like just chopped their hands off? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I guess in the moment you're just... You're, no, I'm just... Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> but, I'm yeah, not trying to terrible. say she could have done anything else. <laughs> okay, uh, who's next? My turn? Uh, Rima. Rima. No, Rima. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I've already kind of talked it out. I already spoke a little bit about how, you know, this whole scene um, and, and kind of seeing how Michonne, you know, kind of evolved and, you know, how she kind of grew spiritually and how that that inner wound, like we saw the the, the wound that she had from the branding, how it is healed. Um, but the inner wound is what was still festering and what hadn't healed and what she had been carrying with her. So it was nice to see the beginnings of 
of that healing process that she was having with Judith. So I think I've pretty much covered most of my number one already. So cool. Okay. Mine is, is misgivings and thinking about, you know, Jocelyn and, and her crew, I guess we get that she, she thought that they were, she was teaching them to be strong, but it really wasn't clear to me exactly what their whole deal was. And we can talk about Mm -hmm. that more, but we only had like a little bit of an episode to get her to, we are introduced to her and we really don't, didn't have time to understand her. Almost like the wolves. Like we really don't know. Well, they're kind of like the whispers though too. The strong survive. It's kind of yeah. like yeah. a lot of what Alpha was. And Negan and his people too. It's like yeah. repeating crap all the time. But uh, with like, you know, the episode that this reminds me the most of as far as how you feel afterwards is, is the Grove with Lizzie and Mika. Mm-hmm. And that was so horrifying. But with Lizzie and Mika, we had so much time to get to know Lizzie and little mm-hmm. hints that mm-hmm. her her thing was progressing to becoming more twisted and little incidents and things that led up to what she did to, to Mika. And so it felt earned. And with this, it felt to me like you could say well, we needed something really shocking for Michonne to have to do. So we quickly manufactured this group so that she would have to kill a bunch of kids, which makes it feel gimmicky to me. And if you, if you're going to have a bunch of kids being killed, I really want there to be substance or else there's going to be at least a part of me that feels like, did we really need to see that? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it just was put there because they wanted the hugest shock possible. That's what one part of my brain is saying that. And I feel Mm -hmm. critical of the episode because of that. It doesn't, as, as I said at the top, I really enjoyed it and thought it was a standout episode in the whole series. I wouldn't say enjoyed it, but I thought it was a standout episode of the whole series, but there is a part of me that feels like it was a bit of a gimmick, a shock value thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I I would agree too because the the children in the end they didn't really have a motivation to act like dicks, you know. Like, or like if they, they did, we didn't get it. Yeah, right. because because they were successful. They're successful hunters. They could survive on their own. They you know except for maybe some medicine. They didn't really need to steal a lot of stuff from them. And why steal children, you know, and add to your group population? I mean, yeah. I I'm not sure. I mean, I think the answer is just Jocelyn is crazy, and that's all we really know. Yeah, and that's why I think that we're just not going to get that much of an explanation. It's kind of like people were kind of questioning, well, why were they branding them? It's like, well, there's not really much of an explanation as to why. It's just she's freaking crazy. That's why. Mm, You know, there's not a whole lot, you know, behind it. She said something about your target is marked, now go hunt them. But to me, that's another thing. It just felt like that was a flimsy explanation and they just needed to have a brand so that we would have something to keep looking at in the episodes leading up to this to remind us that it was something happened. Right. And, and I think also she, she kind of was talking to Michonne about, um, you know, well, you're soft, you're living in the past, you're chasing a ghost. Judith is better off with us. You know, she seemed to have it in her mind that it's like her mission to mm. take in these children, you know, go steal these children. And she's like building her and own community, of, you know, yeah, and making, you know, like, her, you know, it's like that's, and it makes no sense, of course, but when people are, are so far off like that, it, nothing really makes sense. You can't make sense. That's, of it. I mean, this, my whole number one is misgivings, and another one is, is tired themes. 
and yeah. it's uh, <laughs> the strong survive. You know, yeah. I'm so tired of that. And Negan said it. Alpha says it now. Jocelyn, she's hard on herself for having been soft, like Negan was, and. I don't know. It's just the yeah. same thing. Over Another um, theme is the shift from untrusting to trusting or closed to open. We've seen Morgan go through that several yes. times. Carol, yeah. Rick, mm-hmm. even Sasha. I guess it happens, but I mean, and this is sort of a fresh take on it, but it just still feels like. Well, and I mean, I guess if they take it in an interesting place, I'm okay with it because we saw yeah. that with Carol. Yeah. Carol, I mean, she's like my favorite character um especially now that rick's gone um but carol's always been a favorite um since she has kind of like probably since the beginning of season three when we first saw her you know helping shoot out the walkers in the prison yard um before that she just annoyed the hell out of me um (laughs) but i love how they've changed her and i think i don't know if it's just melissa mcbride that brings that to the role or how they've written the character if it's both um, she's the one that I don't grow tired of, you know, kind of seeing um, yeah. that, that but mark, we'll s- but oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll see how it plays out with, with Michonne, you know, and see if it is more interesting than just the tired, you know, oh, well now I'm, you know, I'm not trusting or I was trusting now I'm not. And now I am again. Now and, I am again. And now I won't be again. And yeah. even Aaron's had that he's been open and now he's closed and now Michonne's mm-hmm. like oh you can open back up again we're going there right, it's um, all okay now <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, couple other things um, after killing Jocelyn Michonne said to the kids you can come back to Alexandria we'll take care of you and the oldest guy was like kill all of her children the rest of you are with me I'm like yeah. would you really want to say that out loud like why create that conflict you're obviously she's got a sword she's a badass Mm-hmm. You're going to die if you say that. Uh, uh, and why even do it? Why not just run away? So to me, that's just like have him have this kid say the thing that would create the most conflict in the moment, whether it makes sense or not. It's just another aspect of, of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine, I guess. But but I would um, argue he's also a child, you know. Uh, yeah. But still, mm-hmm. why why would he want to kill the children? Why not just get away from the crazy woman with a sword coming at you? Yeah, well, I mean, that does make sense. If I was a child, sense, I would want to run away. Clearly, these, they're just not, they don't think the they're same They're not way. making sense. <laughs> yeah. So um, then did Jocelyn purposefully show Daryl and Michonne where they lived in the first place? Remember when they went to get the other kids in order mm-hmm. to draw them back there after they left so that they could use them as prey? That part was a little sketchy to me, like you would think that they might be afraid that it would not just draw them back, but like a whole army of Alexandrians. And then I'm like, well, yeah, why didn't a whole army of Alexandrians uh, That come? was yeah. what I was wondering. You know, I but, had a problem but, with that. Yeah, well, number one, let's only send out Daryl and Michonne. Exactly. And number two, when they were captured and then they got away, Michonne goes, oh, let's split up. <laughs> <You know, it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> that was right out of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say why. He was just like, okay, like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll tie this kid up. You go hot ahead, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna send you out alone, pregnant. You know, yeah, yeah. Go do your thing. Yeah, that didn't so, make a lot of sense. So yeah. just a lot of things had to be kind of fudged in order to get to this huge climax. And mm-hmm. um, I guess I should probably just be forgiving of all that. But when it comes to mm. like killing a bunch of kids. I'm going to be a little critical. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm there with you. There were some things that didn't all piece together nicely for me. And I wish there, you know, there had been a little bit more of a payoff um, with that um, 
to justify it but but yeah i agree okay mm. what about notes anybody uh, Evelina? angela king I'm, I'm just loving her you know this season and the her storytelling style like mm-hmm. it's what i liked about this episode was the dialogue between there were at least three or four two-person conversations you know michonne and and um jocelyn uh um daryl and judith and a couple other people as well uh two two other people that seemed to expose a lot of had a lot of exposition but in a very natural way so that's um that's one thing i'm just really digging angela king i i I think that she's she's doing a really great job me too Um, it's making me love the show more and be more excited about it continuing on Consi- yeah. yeah, considering that, you know, Andrew Lincoln is no longer on the show, and I swore I, I was so close to quitting the show when I heard he was leaving. Um, so I think the fact that it got me to that point and the fact that I feel like Angela King pretty much inherited a sinking ship because the last couple seasons have not really done it for me. So the fact that she's kind of inherited the sinking ship and she has been able to, in such a short amount of time, in my opinion, rise, you know, above where it was um really speaks volumes to me. So kudos to her. She's doing a great job. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Anything else? That's it for me. Rima. Um, a couple notes. So (laughs) you guys keep saying Jocelyn and all I think is Tara. Um, she was, Rutina Wesley was, uh, in true blood for all of us folks who remember true blood back in the day. All I could think is Tara, Tara, Tara. I'm thinking Jocelyn who that's Tara. Anyway, (laughs) thought that was uh, super fun. Super good to see her on the screen again. I thought she did a a really great job as a crazy, um, you know, (laughs) headmistress of all of these children. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. She, she only had one episode because she's yeah yeah Yeah, it was i thought it was super fun to see her again because i really dig her um and she was really great on true blood um one thing that just i couldn't help but giggle just a little bit to myself the moment which was a super sweet moment with daryl and judith on uh that little dock or bridge whatever they were when they were having their little moment super sweet but i couldn't help but giggle in the moment when she looks at daryl and she goes what do you think my dad would say and i so badly just thought to myself um that i wanted daryl to say um well, your dad would say he'd rub the back of his head and say, "Let me tell you something." <laughs> <laughs> or it might you might say, "Well, it depends on what season." Right. Yeah, exactly. Is he a farmer or is he a crazy killer? Yeah. Right. Or if you or if you want to refer to Rick as her father, you could say, "Well, it depends on the length of his beard." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and how crazy he would be. Yeah, because um, she she even sh- her. She knew Rick until she was three years old or something. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if she thinks of him. She said, what would my dad say? If she thinks of him as her dad, I guess so. I guess three years old is, is enough. But I wonder if she even knows that her real dad is somebody else. Jeez. Well, well your, your dad would have said, you're going to eat those fries? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I, I just I think... I, I wonder if at some point in the series that will be acknowledged. I feel like even if it's just a small moment that it should be acknowledged, like, no, I don't care that, you know, my dad's Rick or, or whatever, something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> also, I just thought it was something interesting, super not related to the story or anything like that, but just something I just thought interesting. Um, the, I swear that the redhead that we had in the flashback 
um, during this story with the children and having the sleepover and the parents gathering their ki- or going to go gather their kids after the sleepover. The redhead was wasn't that mm-hmm. one of Negan's wives? Anyone else recognize oh, her? Oh yeah, actually, I think so. No, I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we know that some of the saviors have integrated, like Laura, who's yeah. on the council. Mm. Yeah, we just yeah. we don't see too many of them. We haven't seen really any of the other wives or anything. Just I I saw her and I was like, I think she's that one, especially the one she was primarily talking a lot to Eugene when Eugene first came mm-hmm. over to the sanctuary. Um, and you mm-hmm. know they had you know his wives you know in there playing video that games. Little, with, yeah, video game thing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool to see her again. Um, I thought she was you know cool when we saw her, and so it was nice to see her as well. Um, and in this new role. And then just one other note with, you know, Judith running off kind of remind me a lot of Carl a lot in season two and a lot during the whole series. Um, And it appears Carl and Judith's inability to stay in the house must be a trait they inherited from their mother (laughs) is all I can think of. Neither one can stay stay put for very long. So that's That's when going to find Judith. I was thinking if this was season one. She might be dead or season two because she reminded me of Sophia mm-hmm. going off to look for Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but Judith's we're already like sharp. way more attached to Judith, I think, than anybody ever was to Sophia. It's a little oh, ass definitely. kicker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all that I had. All my notes. So watching the credits, I saw Bear McCreary's name and mm-hmm. I don't usually focus on that, but for some reason I... I noticed it. Maybe he's not usually in there. I don't know, but it, it made me think it's crazy that he's been on, working on the walking dead for much longer than he worked on Battlestar Galactica, which is what he was famous for being the composer of. Mm-hmm. And the walking dead has only has been on more seasons. And right at that moment, Aaron called the whisper skin jobs, which yeah. is also what they called the oh. Cylons on Battlestar Galactica. Really? Right when I was thinking yeah, about Bear McCreary, I was like, wow, that's a trip. That's I wonder yeah. if they did that on purpose at the same time, had his name up there at the same time as an homage or something. I don't know. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? There, there was a lot of evocations of Rick in this episode more than there yeah. have been lately. And I wondered if they're wrapping up the season bringing him into our consciousness a little bit more just to honor him in this season where he left the show. Yeah. Yeah. I won't list them all cause we're running a little long, but just, he was mentioned a lot in the episode and I, I actually kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. That was yeah. hard, but it made me sad for him again. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> in the past episodes I've been, Oh look, we don't even miss him. And now this episode they keep bringing him up and I'm like, yeah, I miss Rick. Yeah. No kidding. They mentioned some things about Michonne's past, which you realize that they don't, do that a lot with characters on on the walking dead and i I wish they would a little more but i like the story of her gathering twice as many signatures for her petition as this asshole dean asked for Mm -hmm. 2000 instead of one but i wish we would have known what the petition was for i don't know why they didn't say that it seems like it would have helped add some character to that moment yeah Mm. um was she petitioning to have a new like soft drink machine on campus or (laughs) 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 probably not probably something a little more meaningful um we also found out that she lost her mom because she mentioned that jocelyn was with her when she lost her mom so pre-zombie apocalypse i assume assume. Mm -hmm. yeah uh the scene with the kids i i thought about the girl with all the gifts which is 
the best zombie book ever. Mm-hmm. You know, the feral kids. Just thought, yep. And also children of the corn. Uh, I thought that we would see Maggie in this episode. I kept thinking, Oh, we're going to see Maggie in the flashback episode because I think Lauren Cohan had one more episode under her contract than what we saw, which maybe she doesn't, or maybe that's coming up. But, um, yeah. I also thought, you know, because it's been suggested that Maggie and Michonne have some conflict that mm-hmm. we were going to find out about that, but we still don't really know what that's all about. So I wonder if yep. we'll ever find out. Well, they're a fan yeah. of doing flashbacks this season. We've seen Jesus, you know, come back for just at least I one I thought we might scene, see him so. too. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. who knows? I mean, we've got two more episodes. Who knows what'll yeah. happen? I hope. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I like the flashbacks. <laughs> The focus of Daryl and Michonne this episode really made me miss a lot of those old characters, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, especially Rick, but but yeah, the, a lot of the other characters too. Just because they're OG crew and exactly, yeah, exactly. I miss yep. Shane. <laughs> yeah, I loved <laughs> Rick's last episode when John Bernthal came back. Yeah, yeah, that was that cool. Was great. Yeah, so good. I yeah. love that. Uh, just a few more. When Connie mentioned she doesn't have any regrets, she'd do it all again, except with different shoes. Hell I yeah. love that line. That was so fun. That was so good. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> I know too. she's quickly becoming a fan favorite. I am a huge fan yeah. of Connie. I'm a huge fan yep. of Connie and Daryl hooking up. So yes, yeah. yes, yeah. She's just got a really nice way about her. Like she's obviously tough, but. She just seems like a cool person. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Two more. RJ, little RJ, he asked for more tomatoes and he said, please. So I think that just proves that he's a hallucination because no kid <laughs> will ask for more tomatoes and say, please. And he was actually awake this episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. We're suddenly getting a little bit more RJ. He's not real. <laughs> and then the last one, um, maybe you guys can help. So there was one kid left alive at the end, right? Yeah. And did he run off or? I, well, was I, think, she. I think it was a she. she. Oh, Her yeah. name is Winnie. And I'm convinced oh, yeah. um, she is with the Whispers. Me too. That's what I was going to say <laughs> as well. <laughs> She's a little psychopath. That Did she run away? Um, she ran away. She did. Oh, yeah, okay. she ran away. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I wonder if we'll ever see her again. <laughs> she, yeah, okay. I, think, I think she's a whisper. That is, I hope so. That'd be awesome. All right, that's good. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Okay, so the first item that we have from this week from Insider.com was from an interview with director Millicent Shelton. Um, She says, I storyboarded all the scenes that had to do with the kids and any violence and wanted to make sure that, especially in the end, when Michonne has to save her child at the expense of these kids, I really wanted to make sure that 
juxtapositioning of her killing the walkers made it quite clear without ever seeing any harm come to our kids. It was just the juxtaposition that told the story more than anything. And then, you know, Denai is an amazing actress, so her face just showed it all. The scene went through several different versions, and one of the most important things that all of us wanted to make clear was that Michonne does not want to take out these kids, she says. We desperately wanted to make sure that that was clear. The more that we thought about it, the more we said, these kids have to be feral. They have to keep coming at it. They have to be the ones that aren't letting her off the hook. They don't run away. They keep charging at her. And even though she's protecting herself and ultimately protecting her child, she is torn and tormented over having to do this. Even when we got on set, even when we were with the kids, I was like, guys, you've got to be more ferocious. You have to really come at her. Shelton told Insider that AMC took precautions to make sure the child actors knew everything was pretend and to make sure that they were okay throughout filming. Um, She says, we actually had the kids all meet once once we cast them. In casting, we let the parents and the kids know exactly what the roles were going to entail. Then we had them meet with a psychologist that talked to them about it. In addition, Shelton, the episode writers, Corey Reed and Vivian C., Um, And the assistant director met with all of the kids and their parents to talk through the scenes. So there was three levels of conversation that happened with the kids. The teacher who overlooks the kids is on set every single time the kids were there. If there was any issue, we talked to them, Shelton said. We really want to make sure we know that (laughs) that was good. (laughs) That is pretty pretty horrible for a kid. I mean, and also you had um, uh, Kaylee Fleming Mm -hmm. just knifing those zeds to really chop mm. them up at the end there uh, I'm, yeah. I'm i'm about to go to walker stalker london by the way i haven't mentioned that yet but it's um net in two weeks here and kaylee fleming's gonna, gonna be, be there. there oh that's There's so fun. probably gonna uh, be a pl- panel with her and chandler oh that's awesome that'll be super yeah. fun she's <laughs> mm-hmm. so good and she they really do a great job with her and she she she's just great mm-hmm. yeah yeah she's Next actually 35 by the way Oh, right. <laughs> not many people know that. <laughs> right. Well, they do say that, you know, they always get someone older to play a younger role. So <laughs> next item is from Deadline.com. Now, we've talked a lot about how awesome Denai was during this episode. So here's a little um, praise for her. So last week, Disney Marvel released a poster for the upcoming Avengers Endgame featuring several characters from the movie, except they accidentally left Denai Guerrero's name off the poster. She wah, was the <laughs> she, she was the only cast member featured on the poster who was not credited. After some backlash from fans who noticed this, they released a new poster correcting the mistake. She should have been up there all this time, the studio posted on its social media platforms. Mm. Was, yeah, she should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a hell, yeah, of, right. a, a hell of a bad oversight. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> lame. Yeah. Yeah, that poster has um, uh, all the characters. Well, I don't want to give it away, but I know anyways, I didn't say either. All the characters you'd expect on there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, to see, you know, yeah, that was, um, I'm glad people spoke out about that and that they corrected that. Yeah, right away. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah good job. 
Um, last item we have is from bloodydisgusting.com. So the Walking Dead ratings news once again this week is pretty good. So this is talking, this goes back as far, I don't have any ratings news for this week yet. I'm sure we'll post that soon. But this past Sunday night's choke point posted a 1.8 rating among adults 18 to 49 with 4.83 million total viewers. That's up from the previous episode's 1.7 rating in the key demo, which pulled in 4.71 million viewers. For the sake of context, the premiere episode this season had 6.08 million viewers, and the show had been declining in ratings each week ever since until episode 11, which had 4.39 million viewers, the lowest this season, and also the lowest of the entire series. The increase in ratings over the last two episodes seems to suggest that viewers are interested in the Whispers storyline, which has given us terrifying new villains in Alpha and Beta. Hmm. I hope that's true. I hope that if walking dead continues to up its game, which it has this season that it will bring people back because you would hope that I just hope that's true. But do we ever get ratings of people who watch, you know, the episode four days later or six days later? I mean, you know, through whatever, um, through AMC premiere or something like that. They do put that kind of stuff out and um, it would be interesting to look at it, but, even with that, it's interesting, you know, you could say, well, some of the reason why the overnight ratings are lower is because more people watch it later, but still you can see here that the overnight ratings have been better over the last two weeks. So maybe that just means more people are wanting to see it right away. I know that's what it feels like from the listeners. We're getting more email than we usually get and more excitement among the listeners about wanting to watch it right away and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Good. I feel like I'm seeing a turn as well and the little that I read. So it's Mm -hmm. good news. Um, Another item. Um, AMC released a synopsis of Fear the Walking Dead Season 5. Um, so they say heading into season five of Fear the Walking Dead, the group's mission is clear. Oh, oh! By the way, I'm sorry. I just oh. got um, scolded for um, spoiling this for people who haven't seen Fear. I forgot. Oh, okay. So if you if you haven't seen Fear and you don't want to get spoiled, you should just skip to the next section right now. Sorry, go on. <laughs> sorry, I should have probably said that no, anyway. I, I just thought of it right now. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, heading into Season 5 of Fear the Walking Dead, the group's mission is clear. Locate survivors and help make what's left of the world a better place. With dogged determination, Morgan Jones leads the group with a new philosophy rooted in benevolence, community, and hope. Each member of the group believes that helping others will allow them to make up for the wrongs of their pasts, but trusts won't be easily earned. It is only through facing those fears that the group will discover an entirely new way to live, one that will leave them forever changed. Oh, uh, they're all dead. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we're talking spoiler territory here in fear, I mean, we all three at least know, and I guess most people know, Austin Emilio is now joining yeah. the mm, cast. Yeah, that's true. So. Everything I hear about this show just makes me think it's even dumber than I thought. <laughs> no, I just, I'm holding on to hope because season three was so good. And yeah, yeah I know. And now know. with um, Walking Dead being so much even better, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that just puts it in an even higher league above fear for me. Maybe yep. they need to have Angela King also do fear. They just need yeah. to keep her doing double duty. She seems to really be, you know, doing really well. Um, bringing, I could get behind that, yeah. yeah. Or somebody. somebody. Yeah, no kidding. Somebody's <laughs> equally as talented. 
Okay, awesome. Thank you, Rima. Let's move on to Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts. Brad Holt uh, says, Was anybody else waiting for Lydia to lick Henry Stitches? <laughs> I was. <laughs> Sorry, Brad, I couldn't, I couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> that imagery. Um, <laughs> Tina Carrari says, absolutely. And then she touches a newly stitched wound with her dirty finger. That thing's going to get infected. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Howell says, it's dawning on me right now that season seven could have been whittled down to one crazy, amazing episode like this. In the Gimple verse, this would have lasted an entire half season of kid killing, branding madness. Hashtag thank you, Angela King. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Brett Swain says, I thought nothing could top how dark and sad the grove was. Scars comes pretty close. Great chilling episode! Exclamation. Megan Dively Lemon says, "My husband called them an entire pack of Lizzies." <laughs> Jason Robertson says, "Is it just me, or has the pain of losing Rick been blunted by the fact that he seems still seems to be an active part of the story, even without a physical presence?" Miss Kang is doing a wonderful job of steering the ship. Can't believe that the season is almost over. For me, it makes it worse. Although I like it, it's bittersweet. But if it he is. when he's not mentioned a lot, then I feel less sad. But mm. um, it's nice to honor him, though. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara Noyola says, fantastic episode. I'm glad we got to see different sides of Michonne, and Denai made me feel every single one of her emotions. Loved Michonne and Judith's conversation. I ugly cried as soon as Judith asked when they stopped loving Daryl. Honestly, I had tears on and off the whole episode. It had the real intense feels. Also, how precious are Judith and Uncle Daryl together? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Super cute. Yep. Jose Estrada says, I was on the treadmill when Michonne went all Anakin Skywalker and I had to stop mid-stride during that <laughs> scene. Absolutely heartbreaking. I thought that it was fantastic storytelling. Plus, Kaylee Fleming is a superb actor. She's an absolute scene stealer. And I will not like Negan. I will not like <laughs> Negan. I will not, not, not like Negan. <laughs> You think he likes Negan? It's a lot of protesting. Uh, possibly. <laughs> I think he does. Yeah, I'm not sure why you would ask that. Um, Alex Baelish says Negan might be awful, but he does know people. His talking to Michonne snapped her back to the leader she should be. Mm, at least made her run out and try to find Judith. Yep. <laughs> Margaret, Margaret Dwyer says, love Rutina Wesley and was excited to see her on the show. Was hoping she was going to become a regular, so was very disappointed when her character turned bad and was killed. I would have loved for Michonne to have had a best buddy. <laughs> uh, mm. We don't have best buddies in the zombie apocalypse. They all die. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fran they're Bern- dead. Yep, they're all dead. It was Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> Fran Bernstein says, This was one of the hardest episodes to watch and yet one of my all-time favorites. I loved how it went back and forth to looking for Rick and looking for Judith. Judith, like Rick, has the heart of both Daryl and Michonne. Denai was just amazing. It gave me chills. Looking forward to the fierce mama battle between Michonne, Carol, and Alpha. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm, I'm waiting for yep. Carol and Alpha to... Mm-hmm. Yes. Hope so. Aaron Carper says this one got all the feels going being someone who has a hard time watching children die in shows. I was rooting for Michonne on 100%. Go get your babies. I love the back and forth storytelling. It definitely worked this episode. 
Raphael Griffin says, This episode was a beautiful depiction of both physical and emotional wounds, leaving a mark, whether healed or unhealed. I'm loving the artistic and thoughtful screenwriting and production this season. Mm-hmm. George Parker says, Best episode in a long time. Great storytelling. Robin Simon says, So unexpected and dark and really well done. I can't believe how good this season is. I'm almost scared to watch the next two episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Jamie Dimmick says, This was so heavy. A great, well-told episode. But I don't think I could ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got one email from Rachel Teal. Rima? Hey, guys. Well, that was way worse than I expected. This show can still surprise me after nine seasons, and I love that. Even though those kids and Jocelyn made me sick as I was saying, what the fuck, over and over again, part of me was also thinking, damn, well done. Totally worth the wait. My heart hurts for Michonne. Damn, she's been through it all, and I felt all those emotions with her. Deny totally crushed it in this episode. Love her so much. Side notes. Judith Grimes is so her father's and mother's daughter. I would trust her with my life. And I need so many more Daryl Judith scenes. How fucking precious was that? Connie has quickly become one of my favorite characters and words cannot express how hard I'm shipping her and Daryl. <laughs> and even though Negan can suck my nuts, I thoroughly enjoyed his scene and kind of want more of that too. They could do a lot more with him than they are. So I'm hoping for that next season. But for now, can't wait for more Alpha. Don't get bit. So, Rachel, I have a question for you. Did you mean Father Rick or Father Shane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if they if they do some things from the comics or even variations on it, then there's some good stuff with Negan coming up. So, mm-hmm. I feel like if they're bothering to keep him around as long as they are, then you can look forward to some cool stuff. I'm hoping. All right, that's our show, episode 347. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for coming on, you guys. How was it, Evelina? It was awesome. I had a great time. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, great time as always. If you want to give us a call, as always, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. No calls this episode. Oh, bummer. Gotta get some more calls. And you can email those calls at brains (laughs) at podcastica.com. And you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com, one of which is called Strange Indeed, featuring Rima and Sean. (gasps) Yay! Yay! (laughs) And you guys just wrapped up You? We did. From Netflix? We did. We just wrapped up that one, and we are starting this week on The Umbrella Academy. Hmm. I haven't Mm, seen that. Have you watched it yet? I have seen the first episode. We do week by week, so I'm not spoiling myself. I've only seen sure. the first episode. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I got to listen right. to your you wrap up without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it. I'm just curious whether you liked the ending. I did. Yeah. I was, yeah, I liked it. I was okay with it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it went in a couple places I didn't quite expect, but yeah. Right. Yeah, That's a I, messed I up show. I, I, I gotta check that, that out. I, yeah, you should watch it. It's very like potato chippy. You can't just stop at one. Oh my gosh, it was just um, you just could not stop. You just had to keep going, and it was very difficult to not continue. Um, I know. You know. 
I felt like because I did watch binge the whole thing and I knew you hadn't because you were doing the podcast and I'm like this feels wrong somehow that I know more about what's going to happen <laughs> happen and you're podcasting on it. I know. Well, everyone's in that boat, especially when we do Netflix shows because so many yeah. folks and that's fine. We're totally okay with it, but we do watch uh, primarily week to week, one episode per week. Sometimes sure. we do two. Per week if we feel that it's got a good flow to it and we can do that and we did do that um, at the end with you we did start doubling up on some of the episodes but almost everyone's already seen it before we have because you know that's netflix you can watch it all so yeah it's totally fine have no self-control yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> except for you okay next episode of this podcast is walking dead season nine episode 15 the calm before and i'll be in england and i think i'm gonna have one of the um English uh, geek news guys, Gray Westgate, as my co-host. Oh my gosh. So cool. that's he helps moderate panels. So yeah, that, that oh, that's cool. awesome. Nice. For now, that's it. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit. bit. Brett Swain. I think I'll go for a walk outside now. The summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now. I just can't stay inside.